Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesday mornings. We officially have got the Western Conference Finals set in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors advance without too much trouble over the New Orleans Pelicans and the Houston Rockets advance over the Utah Jazz, as was anticipated when the season began. I got a poll question up for you early this morning. I'm curious, who wins, Warriors or Rockets? Um, And uh, you can go vote on that at Clay Travis. I think whoever wins this uh, Western Conference Finals will also go on and win the NBA title. And it's got me wondering about kind of spinning this thing forward. The storylines in play here are pretty substantial. First of all, it would not stun me if the Warriors come out and win this series in four or five games because I think the Warriors have been kind of sleepwalking throughout the entire season, but they've kind of clicked into high gear now that the postseason is here. And here's uh, an unbelievable run. Since Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors, they are 24-3 and in the NBA playoffs. I'm not sure we've hardly ever seen. In fact, that's a great stat that I don't know if it's out there. What's the best 27-game record or the best record ever created through six straight series of NBA playoffs? Last year, the Warriors went 16-1. and This year, they have gone 8-2. and They've won both their series 4-1, 4-1. So combined, the last two years, the Golden State Warriors are now 24-3. and that is, nobody has even barely taken them up to uh, to three games. Obviously, you would play three games in a seven-game series. 
you would have three losses, sorry, in a seven-game series, even if you won it. Nobody has even taken them beyond a five-game series in the last two years. That's pretty improbable and pretty incredible, and I think speaks to the degree to which the Warriors, when they actually get into the postseason, are capable of otherworldly-like records because 24-3 and in your last 27 NBA playoff series games is flat-out unbelievable. You know you're getting the absolute best effort from everybody, and 8-2, and two, and by the way, the Rockets are 8-2 and two as well as they roll into the Western Conference Finals. Now, there's a lot at stake here. I would say more so for the Rockets, and that might sound a little bit crazy, but the Golden State Warriors have won two out of the last three national uh, NBA championships. Kevin Durant's already got a championship. Yes, there would be a lot of uh, glee, I think, in general, if the Warriors lost to the Rockets, and certainly individually for Chris Paul and James Harden, it would be huge. But I don't think there would be that much criticism raining down on the Golden State Warriors. They'd still be a really good team, especially if they lost in, say, seven games. Uh, and they don't have home court advantage, and the Rockets won 65 games in the regular season. I think there's actually a lot at stake for the Houston Rockets because neither Chris Paul nor James Harden has proven they can really win a big series with all of the attention foisted upon them. Yes, I know they got past the Timberwolves 4-1. to Yes, I know they got past the Utah Jazz 4-1. to But most people haven't been paying attention. There will be a lot of attention now on the NBA's Western Conference Finals and whether or not Chris Paul and James Harden are able to elevate their games and take it to the next level. Now, it appears, I know tonight we've got one more game left in the uh, potentially in the NBA, uh, and we've got the 76ers going on the road against the Boston Celtics. That series could get a little bit interesting now if the Sixers could win this game on the road in Boston because then you'd feel pretty good about them coming back and winning game six. Maybe it ends up going seven. But I think the expectation is that the Celtics will go ahead and close it out, that Brad Stevens, wizard that he is, will advance his team to take on LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that LeBron and the Cavs will find a way to win, and that they will then advance, especially if it's against the Golden State Warriors, which seems likely, they will then advance and get dominated by the Warriors, because I think it's fair to say the Warriors will be an incredibly rested team because they didn't really push themselves very much in the post uh, in the regular season. Uh, They are much better. I think it's also fair to say this year's version of the Golden State Warriors is substantially better than this year's version of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think the Warriors probably at their peak are every bit as good this year. You know, notwithstanding the injuries and everything else associated with uh, with what happens. I mean, look at when S- Steve Kerr had a 2-1 series, and we thought maybe it was going to be a series. Maybe the Pelicans were going to be able to do something to kind of withstand the tide. He decided, you know what, I'm going to start my five incredible high-engine stars. Draymond Green, I'm going to start Klay Thompson, I'm going to start Kevin Durant, I'm going to start Steph Curry, and also Andre Iguodala. And they just blew out the New Orleans Pelicans. I think the Warriors have a gear when they need to reach it that no one else is even close to. Now, I'm excited to see whether the city of Houston can overcome 
that gear and the team, the Rockets, can getting home court advantage? Can they come out and win game one? Because I think game one is insanely, insanely important for the Rockets. If the Warriors roll into Houston and win game one, then they've validated the entire regular season in one game because they'll have home court advantage again. And I think we could see, we could see something similar to what happened to the Rockets. Uh, Sorry, what happened to the Raptors. When the Raptors lost game one to the Cavs, it was like their whole world crumbled around them and they thought, you know what? Who were we kidding? Of course we're not going to be able to go out and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think there's a little bit of that in the Rockets. I think there's a little bit of that psychology in the Rockets. So I believe game one, and we got a week to wait for it. I think game one is going to be on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I think the first three games of the NBA Western Conference Finals are Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. So the first two games are in Houston, obviously. And then we got a big gap, multi-days. And then game three will be Sunday. And game four will be Tuesday of, of next week. Um, that is, uh, we got a big wait. We got a big wait if to get this series ready, and I'm not going to sit around and break it down for you for six straight days or whatever the heck the math is on that. But uh, I do think that game one will go a long way towards deciding this series. Not to say that if the Warriors lose, the series is over. I'm just saying if the series is going to go six or seven games, then the Rockets have to win game one. And I think that's going to be massive. And I think you can also spin this forward and say, if we get what I am expecting now which is Warriors against Cavs again. What does LeBron do when he loses that series in five games? Because I think that's probably fair. Either either the Cavs would get swept and most likely outcome, or they would lose in five games, no matter how well LeBron James plays. What does LeBron do then? Because the odds makers right now would tell you that there are about four different teams that he's considering. And we'll have a lot of time to talk about what LeBron decides to do as we have the decision 3.0. But right now, the odds makers would tell you there's four teams he's considering. The Cavs. I think if he stays at the Cavs, it's unlikely that the Cavs ever win another championship. And LeBron is basically saying, I'm just going to finish my career in Cleveland. I think that's the least likely decision LeBron James could make by far because I don't think that he wants to ride off into the sunset in Cleveland on a team that can't win a title. And when you look at the money they've got invested with Tristan Thompson, you look at the money they've got invested with Kevin Love, even if they do unbelievably well in the draft, LeBron's going to be 34 years old. I don't see any way that the Cavs are a remote title contender, particularly with the Celtics being as good as they're going to be and with the 76ers continuing to improve. I think at best, at best, the Cavs would be the third best team in the East. And I think there's an argument. I, I don't even know that we consider Toronto better than them at this point, but I think there's certainly an argument that the Cavs would do no better than fourth in the East. Now, I know they finished in fourth place this year, but I think legitimately they would be the fourth best team even if they played well. And I think there's a possibility other teams could be nipping at their heels in that perspective too. So I think if I'm advising LeBron James, the idea of staying with the Cavs is absurd makes no sense. If you look at the 76ers, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, I think there's an argument to be made that the 76ers could go up against the Celtics and that they could emerge the victor in the East. I don't think they would because I think Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and having the best young coach and the best coach probably overall in the NBA and Brad Stevens would be too much to overcome. But I think you could at least make an argument. 
to me, the play now also, all you L.A. future Laker arguers in L.A. could make the case he should go to the Lakers and join Paul George, and he can bring in with Lonzo Ball, and we can create a new era of the Showtime. That's not a very good team. It's not a very good team. If LeBron James goes to L.A., it's just LeBron saying, I'm more interested in being in the entertainment business now than I am in trying to win championships. And I just don't see that happening. I think the only possible destination for LeBron James, when you actually consider all of the circumstances, is the Houston Rockets. And I think the only way the Houston Rockets make sense is if the Houston Rockets lose to the Golden State Warriors this year. Because then LeBron can ride into Houston as a savior of that team. He can play with his buddy Chris Paul. And he gets an opportunity to bring a title to Houston for the first time since the dream back in the day when Jordan took two years off. I think he would be a savior in Houston, the nation's fourth largest media market. A lot of people forget about the markets right there. I mean, you talk about overall impact. Bring one to the Lone Star State. Four biggest markets in America, New York, L.A., Chicago, and Houston. Amount of money, the amount of international influence in Houston, drastically underrated. You spend any time in Houston, it is a real cosmopolitan city. Remember the national and international brand the Rockets have from their time with Yao Ming. Huge Asian population. Huge influence in China. If I am advising LeBron James, it's a no-brainer. He should go to the Houston Rockets. And then he gets an opportunity to try to have a team that's good enough to beat the Golden State Warriors. Now, granted, the NBA title series then happens in the Western Conference Finals, but we got that happening this year, too. And I think that's giving the Rockets a few horses to try to contend with the Golden State Warriors. Now, I'm not sure they can get over it, but I think that definitely makes a possible championship in Houston. I don't think they have the horses now. I don't think they can get past the Warriors this year. So LeBron could be the savior of the Rockets. You're kind of playing this forward, thinking about the chessboard, contemplating all the movement pieces. And then in the East, you would have the Boston Celtics coming out, probably of the East, for the next several years if they continue to improve as we anticipate. And I think the Celtics could be a legitimate contender for the Western Conference champ, be it the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors. Now, again, NBA free agency is oftentimes more interesting than the actual NBA season. So there are certainly a lot of moves on the chessboard that could end up happening. But I'll bring in the crew, see if they agree or disagree with my breakdown of the larger schematic universe here now that we have got Warriors-Rockets set in stone series begins on Monday. We will discuss that a bit. Also, we're going to bring in our guy, John Campbell, from Odd Shark. He'll get you set for Game 7 between the Preds and the Jets on uh, on Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, tonight is the Justin Timberlake concert. So if you're wondering, wait, why aren't they playing on Wednesday night, a couple of days after they played on Monday? It's because Justin Timberlake's bringing Sexy back to Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So they're going to have to bump that for a day. Um, in... Hour two, like I said, we'll talk to John Campbell. Uh, Sorry, in segment two, we'll talk to John Campbell, get some gambling tips on the NBA, the NHL, and more. Also, maybe discuss this woman who bet, did you hear about this? $18 at a uh, track down in, I believe it was uh, Austin, Texas area, uh, somewhere in Texas. 
bet $18, won $1.2 million on a pet parlay card, picking all the five horse winners at the Kentucky Derby races. Pretty incredible payday for her. I don't think we've mentioned her on the show yet. Um, in hour two, we will talk with our guy, Jeff Shorts, and we have a phenomenal, extra special, extra large edition of the Animal Thunderdome for you. And then in hour three, our guy, Jason Whitlock, is going to come by. He had a editorial yesterday in the Wall Street Journal that uh, created a big stir, and uh, we will talk about that and more with uh, Jason Whitlock on Wednesday. That's the roadmap. Go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss anything. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Justin Timberlake bringing us back in advance of the concert tonight. Bumping Game 7 of the Winnipeg Jets-Nashville Predators to Thursday because he has the arena book tonight in Nashville. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Put up a poll question. And by the way, still a lot of fallout from yesterday's great debate between uh, peanut butter and jelly. Instead of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, we debated peanut butter and jelly yesterday, and there was fallout all day long. Uh, I think that in hour two, Jeff Schwartz is uh, is going to maybe blow your minds with an important revelation in hour two. Uh, today's debate question up, and uh, 1,500 of you have voted in it in the first, uh, what, 20 minutes of the show. Uh, who wins, Warriors or Rockets? 73% of you believe the Warriors are going to win. 27% of you believe the Rockets are going to win the series. That's a pretty big substantial uh, number in favor of the Warriors. And interestingly, uh, Draymond Green believes that the Houston Rockets were beat specifically to beat the Warriors, uh, were created specifically to beat the Warriors. And he's not too worried about it. He says he's just looking at them as another team. That goes in again to the psychology of this series and why I believe the Rockets have to win Game one, six days from now on Monday. Here is Draymond Green discussing that. Man, we won two championships in three years. We're not about to run off talking about how bad we want to play somebody. Like We want to win another championship. And it don't matter who's in the way of that. If you're in the way of that, then you happen to be in the way. But, you know, we're not about to run around like, yeah, we want to play them in the conference finals for what? Like, it don't matter to us who we play. However, we got them. All right, now let's get it. Let's, we get to it now makes no sense for us to run around, we want them as bad as they want us for what? Like, that honestly don't make much sense to me. We got a goal. And whoever's in the way of that goal, you you know, then we got to see you. You got to see us. All right, now they're in the way. Perfect. But we ain't been running around talking about, man, I can't. Like, we, we, gotta, we want them bad. Like, nah, we want championship bad. Another one. That's, that's the truth. You wasn't expecting it. But you looked forward to it. You got it. I think that's really kind of emblematic of this series in general. The Rockets are hoping to beat the Warriors, who they have been gunning for all season long, ever since they went and got Chris Paul. The Warriors expect to beat the Rockets or anybody else in their pathway because they believe they're the best team in the NBA. And that's why I think game one is going to matter so much. And ultimately, why I think when you look at this larger basketball universe, LeBron James to the Rockets is the only reasonable decision that he can make if his goal is to win a championship. Ain't happening with the Lakers. It ain't happening with the Cavs. It might happen with the 76ers if everything went perfectly. Although, 
I do question how LeBron James and Ben Simmons would play alongside each other since what is I, I, I don't want him if I'm the 76ers. Might sound crazy, but Ben Simmons can't shoot. How does being with LeBron James help him in his overall development of his game? What he needs to do is shoot 10,000 three-point baskets this offseason, assuming their season ends today, until he can start to develop some range or some respect for his jump shot. LeBron James needs the ball in his hands a large portion of games, and he's not going to be able to pass it to Ben Simmons to score in a jump-shooting fashion. I don't think that makes any sense. I think there's only one real destination when you break down all the possibilities, and it is the Houston Rockets. Are you with me, Jason Martin? Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think he could go to Philly. I do think there are other places he could go. He's going to To win a title, buddy, though. David. Yeah, I mean, he's going to he's gonna go sit down with the Knicks just because he wanted David Fisdale to get that job, and that's how David Fisdale got that job, is getting a meeting with LeBron James from his time down in Miami. But yeah, if he wants a championship, he's going to Houston. There's not... There's not a whole lot of other destinations out there, not a lot of teams that are positioned right with cap space and whatever it is that they need to do. Because again, he's not going to come in with a mediocre roster by himself and beat Golden State. And that's what we're really looking at here. Can he get out of the East? Yeah, he can probably get out of the East in a couple of different situations because he's still that good. But he's not going to be able to beat Golden State. And if he stays in the East, he's not going to be able to beat Houston either. So, yes, if you want to win a championship, if that's his goal at this stage, then he's got to go to Houston. And I think it's also, if he stays in the East, I think there's a good chance the Celtics are the best team in the East next year. And I think if he goes to the West and loses to Golden State, people will say, well, at least he tried to give. a. This is especially the case if the Rockets lose to the Warriors, which I think almost everybody's anticipating. If the Rockets beat the Warriors, I think it becomes a little bit more difficult for LeBron because then it looks like he's just hopping on the bandwagon of a team that was already really good and now trying to completely chase a championship. I think it sets up well for him from a narrative perspective if the Warriors come out, beat the Rockets, advance, go ahead and win another championship, and then having lost two in a row to the Warriors, he's trying to cast his lot with a team that can beat him. Uh, L.A., are you guys with me? Even notwithstanding the fact that you guys are huge Laker guys, that you want LeBron James, a future Laker, the four favorites in the offshore (laughs) betting markets are uh, stay at the Cavs, go to the Lakers, go to the Rockets, go to the 76ers. I think the only one of those moves that makes sense, I think, frankly, the only move that makes sense across the entirety of the league, barring massive trades or massive offseason changes, is go to the Rockets. Yeah, but you guys are a little premature on that. I'm curious to see how the Rockets match up against the Warriors first, because they're going to lose. What if they get in a dog? What if they get in a dog fight though? And you're like, well, a dog fight. They're done in six. Well, we'll see. Uh, I mean, Toronto all over again, Danny. I'm going to say the exact same (laughs) thing that I've said for months. Speaking of Toronto, shrinks in big moments. So does Chris Paul, and so does Mike D'Antoni. They're not beating the Warriors. I'm glad you brought up. Toronto because he would never do this but how fun would it be since he already owns the city and <laughs> the country the, yeah, yeah they already they already got the Lebronto shirts and Lebronosaurus and all that imagine if he suited up and they have not had anything near that amazing since Vince Carter as you talked about the other day he definitely uh, owns that city I have never seen a stat like the one that I tweeted out yesterday that came from the ringer that said that 
DeMar DeRozan the first two games of that series went 0 for 9 from 3 didn't take another one for the rest of the series <laughs> and in 14 games against the Cleveland Cavaliers in his career spanning across three different series DeMar DeRozan has never hit a three-pointer against the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James that that's, just yeah. absolutely boggles and, my and Clay, mind they, that's a they definition were the, of tight they were the number one seed in the east so how would the Raptors fare if they had FAI or if they had um you know would it be fair for the rest of the league if the Raptors had LeBron? I mean, because the ra- that he's that, the they would reason still lose to the Warriors. Yeah, but I mean, he's the reason they could never get over the hump. So what if he yeah, was on their squad? They would get over the hump and get destroyed by the Warriors. I, I I think the only team that he can join that gives the any other team a remote chance to actually beat the Warriors is if he. And this is assuming that look, the Warriors had a ton of injuries this this uh, this season. Even last season, they had a ton of injuries. They haven't ever really had a healthy season with their entire component of talent. They seem really healthy right now, but notwithstanding the possibility of a season-ending injury or two befalling the Warriors, the only way I can see anybody getting past them is if LeBron James goes to the Rockets. And I'm with Jason Martin. I think that the Rockets are going to crumble mentally unless they find a way to win game one. I think that's the difference maker. If they win game one, then they'll feel like they're playing with house money a little bit. And then I think the series can progress and we can actually see a little bit of fun. If the Warriors come out and win game one, I think they'll win game two. I think they may go back to uh, Golden State, lose a game, and they'll end up closing this thing out in like five games. And it'll never be in doubt. So if you're an NBA fan and you want this series to be uh, in question, if you're a Houston Rockets fan and you want that to happen, you need desperately, I mean desperately, you need for the Rockets to go out and win game one. Let me bring in, uh, who do we have today doing the update? Ralph Ralph Irvin is in doing the update. Ralph, what's shaking? Well, you talk about those Golden State Warriors, and they got quite a performance from Steph Curry. 28 points in the elimination game. A 113-104 win over New Orleans. Here's Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. If he can play 37 minutes in a playoff game, uh, then I think he's okay. And now we got about five days till our next game, so uh, time to recover and continue his work. And um, you know, it just feels like feels like he's back now. Kevin Durant also had 24 points as the Warriors win the series four games to one. Houston takes their series four games to one with a 112-102 win over Utah. Chris Paul, 41 points. 10 assists in that victory. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. John Carlos Stanton, two home runs as the Yankees are 3-2 winners over Boston. New York now is tied with Boston atop the AL East. Minnesota, a 7-1 win over St. Louis. Baltimore gives up four home runs, 10 runs in the first inning to Kansas City. And the Royals roll 15 to 7. And Clay, it's time for our Geico play of the day. Swing and a one up and a third. Seeger's got it. Toss across. Ball game is over. James Paxton has just thrown a no hitter. That's the Cairo Seattle Mariners radio network as James Paxton becomes the first Canadian to throw a no hitter north of the border, the sixth all time for the Mariners. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Clay Travis. Live from the same Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. 
Uh, we are now with John Campbell. He's at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Uh, John Campbell, what do the odds markets tell us about this Warriors against the uh, Rockets series? How much of a favorite are the Warriors going to be? Well, the Warriors are minus 170 favorites to win the series. So so $170 to win 100 you're risking. But it's interesting because Houston's favored in game one by two points. Oh, here, that so. is interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, normally you see game one and the series price line up uh, pretty well, but in, in this case, not really, where we're seeing Houston favored by a couple points in game one. Is the over-under going to be one of the most entertaining aspects of this Warriors-Rockets series? Because I think both teams are going to just be gunning left and right, and so you're going to have a lot of uh, three-point baskets going up and everything else. I mean, it wouldn't stun me if the winning team in each of these games is scoring 110 or more points. Is that uh, going to be fa- factored in and maybe we end up with some of the highest over-unders in uh, NBA history? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we, we saw a couple reach uh, more than 230 in the last round here, and I think that's what the numbers that we're going to be looking at here for this series. I think there's going to be some value on the under there. Both of these teams can play better defense than they get credit for, and, and they can play timely defense. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be about three-pointers. I think the team that can shoot better from beyond the arc and the team that can defend better from beyond the arc is going to win the series. All right, let's talk about the Eastern Conference. One, how much of an upset would it be if the 76ers make this a series? I mean, it it seems like the odds markets basically have got the Celtics penciled into the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, pretty much. And and when you look at it historically, this is it's impossible for the 76ers to come back. They teams that are down uh 0-3 in a series are 0 and 127 historically. So that record suggests that this isn't going to happen. When you look at the odds, it's a bit of a different story because the Celtics are only minus 405 to win this series and that doesn't really reflect history. 76 is a plus 335 to win this series. And going into the last game, the Sixers were only 6-1 to one to come back to win the series. So it's not reflective of history. And, and I think the Celtics have reason to be worried here. I think it's a bad situation where the 76ers are the more talented team. I think the coach has really helped the Celtics get through these first four games here. So I, I, I haven't penciled the Celtics in yet. I think this series isn't done. All right, how much is Canada in mourning right now? We've got, well, first of all, before we get to that, uh, Game 7 of the Predators against Winnipeg Jets getting bumped by Justin Timberlake's concert tonight, so it's not taking place until tomorrow. I've watched parts of all six of these games, if not most of these games. Uh, There really seems to be no rhyme or reason to what is likely to happen in Game 7 because the general consensus, I think, was boy, Winnipeg can take control of this series in Game 4. The Preds go out and dominate and win. Then the general consensus was, boy, the Preds have got this series. All they have to do is win Game 5 at home, and then they can put the pressure in Game 6 on Winnipeg. Well, Winnipeg comes out and dominates. And then Game 6, Winnipeg is set to celebrate their first trip to the conference finals in forever, uh, maybe ever. I'm not even sure. I'm not an expert on the wet, uh, the Jets' uh, history, but certainly in the modern era and then the Preds go up and dominate, what in the world is going to happen? There's only one Game 7 right now, unless the 76ers continue their run uh, in the second round of either the NBA or the NHL. How do you break this one down? 
Well, it's been an incredible series, and, and we we could have expected that with the top two teams in the NFL meeting in the second round here. And neither team seemed to be able to win at home for two teams that were so good at winning at home here. But uh, the Preds are minus 150, so risking 150 to win 100, and I think that price is a little too high the way this series has gone. I like the Jets here in Game 7. I'm going against history that says the home team wins 59% of the time in Game 7, but uh, I think Pekka Rene, he has been spotty throughout the playoffs. I think the Jets have the goaltending advantage, and the Preds have had trouble winning two games in a row. They're 0-5 after their last five wins in the next game following. And I think that's a bit of fatigue after a long Stanley Cup run. So I think there's value on the Jets here in Game 7. Is there any impact at all to having three games between this? You know, like the the guys get a lot of time to recover. A three-game layoff, does that factor in at all in your mind? Yeah, I think it does in the NHL, and I think it makes things uh, more unpredictable in the NH- in the NHL, especially where it- it's the rest versus rust, and and what's going to happen here. And sometimes when teams are banged up, they desperately need that rest. But I think momentum's a big thing too. When teams come off emotional wins and emotional series, they they, they want to keep going. So I think it hurts the Predators having to lay off a little bit more where they had that big upset win in Winnipeg. They probably want to get back on the ice as soon as possible. Do you think whoever wins Game 7 will be favored over the Vegas Golden Knights? I think they will just because of home ice. I think the line will be really close, like minus 120, and that's going to be an amazing series whichever team gets through. Cavs finally got past the Penguins. We've got they're going now up against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you see here? Yeah, the, the Lightning are minus 180 favorites, and I think they're favored by a little bit too much. A little bit worried about the Caps' emotional letdown after finally beating a Pittsburgh here after so many years of losing to them. But the Lightning are also the cup favorites at plus 200. Game one uh, total, uh, the over-under is six, and I think there might be some value in the under, even though the Caps have been scoring like crazy throughout these playoffs. Tampa Bay knows that Stanley Cup winners play great defense, and they clean up their defense throughout that series. So watch the total in this one. If it stays around six, I think there's going to be some undervalue throughout the series in that one. How is if, – if the Winnipeg Jets lose on Sunday – how is the double body blow, or sorry, on Thursday, how's the double body blow going to land on Canada to lose your uh, your national sport and then also to have the Raptors just proven to be frauds for another year? Yeah, it's it's tough up here, Clay. I'll tell you, we're, uh, the snow is finally melting up here, so we're yes. trying to take solace in that, and that's good. And uh, we need the Jays to win now, but but it's going to be tough, I'll tell you, when, when that last Canadian team gets knocked out. It's, it's a sad story up here. Uh, did you see the story of the woman down in Texas who bet $18 on a five-race, uh, five I guess, parlay of some sort and ended up winning $1.2 million surrounding the Kentucky Derby? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. An, an amazing story. Yeah, I picked the five races. What's called the Lucky Five, I think, or something. Power Five, you pick five races leading up to it. And what an incredible story. I think that's every sports better's dream right there. Can you imagine having $1.2 million on the line for the Derby uh, as you won each of those races, how much uh, enjoyment you would have had? Uh, John Campbell, thanks as always. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, Clay. Uh, that is John Campbell. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. I am Clay Travis. I want to unpack that story a little bit more for you if you haven't heard it. We haven't spent any time on it. Woman bets $18 in Texas. 
wins $1.2 million. We will discuss next on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add. Save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. A good thing is... You don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. You know a woman who's got a little bit of extra money in her pocket? This woman down in Texas, she bet uh, $18 on picking the five race winners, and uh, it is pretty unbelievable. She won $1.2 million. On that $18 bet at the uh, racetrack down in Texas. And uh, the woman is from Austin. She didn't want to be identified, although her picture is up on the uh, internet. So if she didn't want to be uh, identified, uh, that's uh, maybe not the way to go. Uh, she made a pick five wager at the Ritama, Retama Park racetrack in Selma, Texas on Saturday. And watched in person as each of the horses she picked ran on uh, Churchill Downs, uh, all five of these different races. She picked Justify, obviously, to win the Kentucky Derby, and that was the horse that won going away. But she picked a lot of other horses as well. And uh, the uh, the racetrack said it's extremely rare to bet that little amount of money and win $1.2 million is unheard of. In fact, it's the first time it's happened at this racetrack. And uh, the woman's winnings, which is pretty interesting, nearly matched the $1.24 million prize that Justify won in uh, the Kentucky Derby. Now, of course, the real value if you have a horse that wins the Kentucky Derby is in the stud fee, and so it's going to end up being worth, I don't know, $10 million or more for Justify for the years ahead. Uh, but uh, but that was pretty remarkable, $18, and she wins $1.2 million. I also think it speaks to the larger absurdity of our national rules when it comes to gambling that everybody's allowed to bet on horse racing and that there's no uh, you know no disconcerting aspect at all about this woman being able to win 1.2 million betting on horses but if she had bet on sports it would have technically been illegal for any other sport i think by the way on top of this i think we have uh, a lot of uh, of fun with you coming here i haven't heard this yet but here is Shaquille O'Neal last night in addition to uh, this woman winning $1.2 million. I hear that Shaquille O'Neal and uh, and Charles Barkley got into it last night on Inside the NBA, arguing about the Toronto Raptors, DeMar Rosen, and co. I haven't heard this, but I've heard that it's good. I've heard that it's good. Let's listen to it. To repair his relationship with DeMar DeRozan. No, he don't. Uh, yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, you have to, because, uh, listen, that, that, listen, if your best player, you bench your best player. He, well, why was he benched? Uh, he... It, well, he, that's not the point. It is the point. You don't disrespect your best player. Listen. If you don't have a great relationship with your best player, you're never going to win. That's not true. Uh, he did not. That's play, not true. He did not, well, he, he, in that's your opinion. True. No, just because you say something, you're just That's not true. Me, no, and, it's not true. Me and Pat Riley never saw eye to eye and what happened to my man win. So it's not true what no, you're saying. Well, you it's not true what you're saying. Not true. I'm just letting you know what the man on that team. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was a role player. You're right. But you know what? That's my point. 
That's my point. Say, I'm saying along. with your best player. You don't know what you're talking no, about I'm when it comes to championship. I'm just no. telling you something. Stop baby. Why you care what you that championship? No matter how much you scream you loud, listen, that does not listen, make you right. Listen. You're wrong in the city. And I tell you ain't winning because you was a baby. Stop babying these players. I'm not babying no player. You don't play. You don't play. You got to sit his ass down. Period. He got to repair. He ain't got to repair nothing. He got to stop babying these players. You got baby. That's why you ain't win. He got to. I didn't have Dwayne. I didn't have Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant carry me up and down the court. So why you not oh, you, you, because, I got three finals MVP, because, Chuck. Because you, you, Google because me, Chuck. Those guys, everybody, everybody Google me, you Chuck. Great you see that? Google me. you a great player. You don't know that what you're talking about when it comes to No, that's not. That's not. He got to step up and play. We all didn't have other players carrying us up and down the court. You can yell as much as you want I got three finals MVP, Chuck. And you are a great player. Thank you. But you wouldn't have got him if you didn't have Kobe and Dwayne. I will say. That is that is unbelievable. Charles Barkley was basically jelly. In that conversation. Uh, well, I mean, it's tough when Shaquille O'Neal is probably the most physically dominant athlete of our era. There have been a lot. I mean, and, and what I mean by that is I'm not sure that there has ever been another Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe LeBron James is two because I don't think there's been very many LeBron Jameses either. But to be seven foot one like Shaquille O'Neal was and to be as athletic and to have his dominance inside the paint, to have his size and strength combination, there just aren't very many Shaquille O'Neal's that have ever existed in the history of the world. And frankly, there aren't very many LeBron Jameses either. Charles Barkley is a 6'5 power forward. There's a lot of Charles Barkley's over the year. I mean, the fact that Charles Barkley is one of the 50 greatest players of all time in the NBA, given his physical size limitations, is a lot more surprising to me than the fact that Shaquille O'Neal is as good as he is. And it is true that he didn't ever get to play with Kobe Bryant. He didn't ever get to play with uh, with uh, Dwayne Wade. And I'll tell you this, too. Charles Barkley has to think all the time about not winning championships. I mean, that has to really legitimately bother him all the time. And I think it has to bother everybody who played in that Jordan era and didn't get the benefit that the Houston Rockets did of being the best teams in that particular two-year window when Jordan was not the best. Because otherwise... Nobody else in that era ever had a real chance to win a championship. Hour two coming up next. we got something to get into on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, we've now got the Western Conference Finals set in a way that we would have anticipated before the season started. We thought it would be Warriors against Rockets, and guess what? It's Warriors against Rockets. Game one, the Houston Rockets are favored by two points, as John Campbell just told us at Johnny Oddshark in hour one. We've got a loaded show for you. Hour two, we got big, stupendous edition of the Animal Thunderdome coming your way. We've got Jeff Schwartz. In hour three, we'll talk to Jason Whitlock about his Wall Street Journal editorial and the stir that it created and more uh, all of that still to come I'd encourage you to go download the podcast if you have it and make sure that uh, you are prepared to listen to this show wherever you may be across the country welcome in all 50 states welcome in satellite radio and for those of you listening on the podcast thanks for downloading the podcast and hanging out with us this morning all right so a couple questions for the crew that I'm going to toss out to you guys uh, that I think are interesting. I think there are two big things that are now in play for the NBA. One is how much is this added length of time going to detract from the rhythm of the NBA playoffs if, if as seems likely tonight, the Boston Celtics close out the Philadelphia 76ers and every one of the second-round NBA series 
is done in five games or less. We had the Cavaliers sweeping the Raptors, and uh, we had the um, and certainly we had the other two series in the Western Conference both go down at four one. Now it is a little bit interesting that the Celtics are only one point favorites tonight. So I think the Celtics are going to have a little bit more difficulty closing out this series than maybe everybody anticipated when they went up 3-0 and we kind of thought, oh, this series seems like like it's over. The odds makers are not telling us that the Sixers have that bad of a chance of making this still a series. And certainly if the 76ers can go on the road tonight and beat Boston – It'll be a massive story because we'll be coming back for game six and then game seven, and then maybe people can get bought in on the 76ers and the Celtics. And frankly, whether or not we're going to have a good series between them and the Cavs. But so that's worth paying attention to tonight, eight o'clock on TNT, the only real game going on uh, because the uh, NHL only has one second round game left, and it's tomorrow night between the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators. And the NBA only now has one game left and one series left, and it's the 76ers on the road against the Celtics. If the Celtics win, and they are favored by one point, so it's basically a coin flip. If the Celtics win, then I think it's fair to say all of the second round series will have been a wash for the NBA, and that none of them will have even reached six games, which means that in general, there was not a lot of competition to get to the final four question that I have a couple of uh, tiers here one how much difficulty is the NBA in now that they're basically going to have to hit pause for a week and wait until the Eastern and Western Conference finals start that seems not ideal to me from a league perspective to have to take off effectively a week in the middle of your playoffs until you return for another major game that seems not ideal again the Western Conference finals start on Monday when we get game one between the Warriors and the Rockets. On top of that, the Warriors are now 24-3 and in their last 27 playoff games. They went 16-1 and last year. They've gone 8-2 and this year. I think it's also fair to say the two games that they lost, they don't really feel that significant because they lost to the Spurs after being up 3-0, and they lost to the Pelicans after being up 2-0. There was no point where either one of those series, you thought maybe we're going to get a different outcome than we anticipated. How desperately important is it for the NBA for this Warriors-Rockets series to actually be good? Because if the Warriors come out and win 4-1 again, let's say they go out in Houston and win game one, let's say they also win game two, and then they go home and they split or they win it outright as a sweep, or they win it in five, how much does that hurt the NBA? Because I think what most people have been saying is, well, Warriors-Rockets is effectively the default NBA title series. I don't think there's very many people out there listening to us right now who believe either the Cavs or the Celtics, or if they were able to prolong the series and make a huge comeback, the 76ers are likely to be able to give really the Warriors, or the Rockets for that matter, but certainly the Warriors, a run when we get to the NBA Finals. I think it's another four or five game series. So I want to bring in the crew and ask them that question. Do you buy into the NBA having an issue if we've got nearly a week between these series and if the Warriors then come out and dominate 
how much of a hit is this going to be to the NBA? Because again, the Warriors are 24-3 and in their last 27 playoff games. I don't know that we've ever seen a stretch of dominance like this. Since they added Kevin Durant, they have gone 24-3 and in the postseason. It's a level of dominance we haven't seen before. Now, if they lose game one to the Rockets, again, I think game one decides the series for the Warriors. If they go out and win it, I think it's over in four or five, and I think the Rockets immediately crumble. But how important is this for the NBA? And by the way, let me say this too. People out there love to talk about the NBA. The NBA people like beat their chest and they're like, oh, the NBA's doing so well. NBA's not doing that well. NBA is not doing that well if you actually look at the ratings. The NBA has LeBron James, who everybody cares about. You know LeBron James isn't playing in a game. The ratings for the playoffs drop over 50% for the other series. People like to talk about, oh, how much do people care about the Warriors? The people care about the Warriors when they're playing LeBron James. Go look at the 76ers and Celtics ratings. 76ers and Celtics are two big brands, two big cities, Philadelphia, Boston, two proud cities. The Cavs are playing the Raptors. And the Raptors' numbers don't even count in American television audiences. And the audience for LeBron James against the Raptors is nearly double the audience for the 76ers against the Celtics. Nearly double. The NBA has a good product when LeBron James is in its big games. When LeBron James is not, people don't really care. The NBA turns into hockey. I think that if the Celtics win this series and they go up against LeBron James, the Eastern Conference will rate fine. And I think the Western Conference will be okay because people will tune in to watch LeBron lose if the Cavs are fortunate enough to advance. Otherwise, I think the NBA, I think this is, is, you're not hearing this from anybody else because I don't think anybody else is actually looking at the numbers. NBA doesn't have a league. They got a player. And this is the same thing we saw with Michael Jordan, except LeBron James is nowhere near as popular as Michael Jordan. You go back and look, the NBA didn't have a league with Michael Jordan. They had Michael Jordan against the league. Everybody cared about Jordan. You might love or hate LeBron. He's a pale approximation of of Michael Jordan when it comes to the audiences that he produces and the shoes that he sells. But people care about whether LeBron James' team wins or loses. If LeBron's not playing, people tune out. So I think this is an interesting test for the NBA. First of all, you have a long break between when the Western Conference is going to start now. Six full days for people to sit around and wait. Maybe that's not going to matter if the series is good. The series is crap? Yeah, I think the NBA is getting a preview for what life without LeBron James is going to look like. I think it's going to look like the NBA without Michael Jordan, and I think it's going to look like golf without Tiger Woods. You buying into that, Jason Martin? Yeah, to some extent. Um, How important is it that Warriors and Rockets is good? I think it's important because you're right. It's the de facto championship. I think the biggest thing, the most important thing at this stage is whether or not we like the brand of basketball or the talent on the floor or not, there's no star power in Boston right now. Jason Tatum's too young. He's going to be a stud. He's already showing signs, obviously. But he's not really there. I mean, Al Horford's the most recognizable name on the Boston Celtics. That dude's not getting 10 people to listen in his hometown. Like, nobody is paying attention to Al Horford playing basketball. The real problem 
for the NBA would be if LeBron can't make the NBA Finals right now. Like We had that discussion, and I think maybe we could have had it more because I think Philadelphia has a couple of guys that would be more interesting to see. There's nothing interesting about Boston. They play a workman-like style of basketball. Even though Rozier's kind of opened it up and they've started to score a few more points, that's not going to be exciting to anyone. If it's Warriors versus LeBron or if it's Rockets versus LeBron, that's going to get the casual fan that probably isn't going to care very much about the Celtics going and getting drubbed by Golden State or Houston, whoever it was, that were to come out of that series. But yeah, I do think that the Western Conference Finals need to be good for a couple of reasons. One, I I don't think it's bad if the Warriors win the series, but if they go destroy the Rockets, then you can't come back next year with the narrative about how great James Harden and Chris Paul are. And you can't talk about how big a threat they are to the West if they go out there and get smoked. They've got to equate themselves well. These games need to be close. They need to be hard fought. Honestly, even though I can't stand Draymond Green, we need some of Draymond being Draymond in this series. We need some drama. We need all of that. Everything that you want out of a series, we need out of this. The first round of the NBA playoffs was a lot of fun, despite the fact that all the favorites pretty much got out of there because nobody really saw the Cavs as a four seed when you look at them having the best player in the world. But the second round just has not been particularly interesting except for the collapse of the Raptors, which me and many others predicted before it ever started. So, yes, it is hugely important uh, sake of the league that the Rockets don't just go out there and get killed because we know the Warriors are not going to do that. Houston's got to show up. They've got to win a couple of games. They've got to be on the sports pages of the newspapers nationally you know, off and on because they're going to have these series. They're going to have Sunday and then Tuesday, and then they don't play again until Sunday. Or Monday and Wednesday, and then they don't play again until Sunday. So they're going to be spreading this thing out. That's not necessarily terrible because, look, there's two weeks between the championship games in football and the Super Bowl. There's always a week between NFL games, for example. You can get a lot of discussion done. The question is how many people are going to care about the discussion, and if LeBron is out, no one is, so the Warriors and the Rockets have got to be entertaining. They have a league. They have a player, not a league. I mean, that's that's the lesson if you look at the ratings. All right, we're going to get to a break. We teased this. We teased it yesterday. We know that we upset a, a child in a car yesterday. I don't know that we're going to go all the way through the hour, but Jeff Schwartz is walking into something he's never walked into before as a guest. Now, when he's co-hosted with me, we've done the Animal Thunderdome segments, of course, just like we always do. But he's walking into an interview segment where he's going to be with us for about 20 minutes, and the whole thing is going to be Animal Thunderdome. And this is definitely listener discretion advised, because we have got some serious situations and some children have been put in some treacherous circumstances by various animals. One of the best animal thunderdomes ever, and certainly one of the most extensive coming up. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Sunday is Mother's Day, boys and girls. I'm telling you right now, your mom deserves more than one day for sure for putting up with you. And when you send her pro flowers for Mother's Day, She's guaranteed to have at least seven days of fresh, beautiful flowers. This is the last week you can send all of these flowers. And how beautiful will they be to your mom? Go to proflowers.com today. Remember also, many of you are in my boat. If you got young kids, your sons or daughters are too young to be responsible for Mother's Day. So you got a two-fronted war. You got to take care of your own mom and you got to take care of your wife. And man, sometimes that can be a disaster. You got to cover for your kids until they're old enough to cover for themselves. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Go to proflowers.com. 
Click on the blue microphone in the upper right corner and use my code OUTKICK. That's proflowers.com, and the code is OUTKICK. I'm telling you right now, get hooked up now for Mother's Day, which is this Sunday, knuckleheads. Don't miss it. All right, it's time. We teased it yesterday. We had Rocco in Virginia. He was so upset. He was taking his little boy to uh, school, and we teased the Animal Thunderdome, and then we didn't get to it because we got into a huge debate about which was better, peanut butter or jelly. Uh, on yesterday's show and so as a result we've got a special animal thunderdome edition today let's bring the music in boys and let's have some fun it's animal thunderdome time (laughs) who's going ladies and gentlemen i'm just glad i was there boys and girls i thought he thought i was like this ginormous piece of chicken dying times here this is Animal Thunderdome. All right, we've also got Jeff Schwartz, I believe, up with us uh, because there's only like one NFL story that's actually out there. So he gets to react some to the Animal Thunderdome this week. It's a big promotion for him. Uh, let's also start with you, Jason Martin. What you got for us? Clay, when I say famous Gerald's. Not a whole lot of big names, but obviously Gerald Ford. Any other Gerald's come to mind? Gerald Riggs, the uh, the, the running back, was pretty good with the with back in the day with the Falcons, right? Pretty big time player. Yeah, yeah. and then there's a lot Gerald of NBA Perry. players. Gerald Perry. Yeah. Gerald Perry. Gerald Green. Gerald Wallace. Gerald McCoy, who's in the NFL now, played at Oklahoma. Gerald Henderson, who played at Duke, he's still in the league. And then Gerald McRaney, who played Major Dad. Oh, yeah. was also in House of Cards. But it's not a particularly impressive list. No offense to the Gerald's out there, but it's a loser name. Lots in of Jerry's. General, compared to a lot. Yeah, a Jerry lot would be short for Gerald, right? Yeah, I assume so. Gerald's just not a name you see all that often anymore these days. Well, add to the list Gerald the Bull Giraffe. Filmmaker Carlos Cavallo who worked on most of the series Wild at Heart for ITV. It's a hit family drama that featured a British family building up an animal hospital in the South African bush. Uh, Carlos is dead. He was horrifically killed after his skull was crushed by Gerald the Giraffe in an attack at a safari park while filming this Wild at Heart series. The 47-year-old was sent flying 16 feet through the air while working on a feature film with Gerald the Giraffe after the animal headbutted him, causing devastating head injuries. Airlifted from the scene in South Africa to the same hospital where another safari park owner, Mike Hodge, is recovering from a lion attack that took place in Johannesburg. Same hospital. Same hospital. Surgeons unable to save him. Gerald the Giraffe, according to someone on scene, started chasing the boom swinger who joined our unit followed him but we didn't feel threatened because he just seemed to be inquisitive we started shooting close-ups of its body and feet then while carlos was looking through the camera eyepiece gerald swung his neck and hit him against his head came out of nowhere carlos didn't even see it coming wasn't aware of the danger carlos's body lay on the ground motionless until help arrived he was unconscious blood was coming from his eyes and ears so he had severe head trauma no one expected him to die He did. They said of all the animals they've ever filmed, they can't believe it was a giraffe that did this. But giraffes actually do this as a defense mechanism. Headbutting is something that giraffes are known to do. 
But Carlos Cavallo was a 47-year-old director working with the giraffe that then ended up killing him uh, in South Africa. Man, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty tough way to go. It's like when yeah, the we, crocodile hunter got killed by the uh, stingray. Yeah, that's 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 no good. Headbutted by a giraffe. I see. I didn't know giraffes headbutted. That's not how I would have thought they would have gone. But I guess large heads with the giraffe, so it would work. But yeah, can you imagine? Like, just there's no video of this, but the guy flying 16 feet after being headbutted by the giraffe, like that to me is the visual. If I'm on scene and I'm one of the witnesses there, I'm not sure that I'm ever able to get that image out of my head. Yeah, that's a tough one to start with. Do you have another one, or do you want to go to a shy go? I've got one that's pretty – this is – mine's more uplifting. Do we have another negative story? Should I give yeah, an uplifting I've got a one terrible, right now? I've got a horrible story. All yeah. right, this is – Horrible. This is – yeah, we've got some tough ones, I know. This is a, a story that I think is going to end up being more popular than it already is, and I got this a couple of days ago. One of you sent this to me. Um, this is a, – a couple was in uh, Zimbabwe. And they were a uh, they were out in a raft in the I'm going to give you some details on this uh, a uh, Zanel Nadlovo and her fiance Jamie Fox now not the Jamie Fox who is the uh, Oscar winner uh, this is a white Jamie Fox uh, and uh, he's got a black bride but I, I saw this and I was like wow what are the odds like uh, were canoeing down the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe when disaster ensued a crocodile they were in like an inflatable raft uh you know almost like uh i guess like whitewater rafting almost and the crocodile launched himself at the raft and tore off the woman's arm uh jamie fox not the oscar winner managed to save her but she was losing so much blood it was feared she might die from the wound Uh, a makeshift tourniquet was applied she was rushed to a hospital where surgeons managed to save her life but were unable to save most of her limb. Now, here's a little bit more detail about that attack. Um, hold on. I want to get to these details because uh, this is this sounds terrifying. A family friend described the attack saying, The crocodile gripped her arm and ripped it off while her partner made frantic efforts to save her. They're lucky to be alive. The boats used in the rafting activity are inflatable, which seems crazy to me. And the crocodile attacked their vessel first and in the process deflated it before attacking her. So this is like old school Jaws, right? Um, This is an unbelievable... Like imagine that you are in an inflatable raft on the Zambezi River. And as if it is not scary enough that a crocodile is involved... The crocodile then bites your inflatable raft. And by the way, not an expert, but maybe don't go with the inflatable raft on the Zambezi River if there are crocodiles with powerful jaws in that river, and I imagine hippos too. The crocodile punctures the raft. So think about like your boat is sinking into the river with an angry crocodile around you. It then grabs this woman and rips her arm off. All right? This is an awful story. Her fiancé saves her, and now here becomes the positive. The one, though They wanted to get married at Victoria Falls. The crocodile attack meant they had to change it. The woman insisted that she still wanted to marry her fiancé on the day that she was scheduled to be married. So they were married at the hospital, the bride wearing the same dress 
and she now does not have an arm. So the husband and the bride, the, the man and the woman here, still got married at the hospital on the day they were intending to get married. The groom placed the wedding ring on her left hand, and she got married even though she had lost her arm while still in the hospital so that she could be married on that day. 21 people showed up for the wedding. So it has a positive ending, which I thought we needed given the dark nature of the Animal Thunderdome stories that I know are yet to come. But there is a positive story. Couple survives crocodile attack, gets married in the hospital. That's a remarkable story. Just good for Jamie Foxx, not the Oscar winner. Not but the that's Grammy what I'm going to Clay. I'm going to continue to just hope that it's like the real Jamie Fox in a Ray Charles outfit that did this. Like this I, is, I'm that's all I'm seeing in my head is that Jamie Fox. You can continue to tell me it's not that Jamie yeah. Fox, but it's that maybe Jamie Fox will play in the movie based on this based on this attack. Except if that is going to happen, Jamie Fox in this story, a white guy. All right, Jamie Foxx is a white guy in this story. He's marrying a black woman, bringing Ebony and Ivory together in Zimbabwe. But Jamie Foxx, the white uh, the white Zimbabwe man, as opposed to the black American actor, marrying his bride who lost her arm in a crocodile attack. And I feel like for many people, this just kind of, like, you're like, yeah, I would totally assume. Like, I don't understand. I mean, tell me, I want to poll everybody on this. Would you not think if you were in an inflatable raft in a crocodile-infested river, that this is exactly what would happen, that the crocodile would bite the inflatable raft, that your raft would deflate, and then you would be attacked by the crocodile. I, I can't even imagine how terrifying it would be. It would be terrifying to be attacked by a crocodile regardless. But if the crocodile was first deflating your raft so that you were slowly sinking into the water, I honestly can't imagine anything more scary than this. It's like Jaws when he comes after the boat and starts to, spoiler alert, starts to eat the boat. Yeah, you don't go inflatable raft with a crocodile. I'm not sure I'm on that river anyway near crocodiles. I don't know that that's something that I need to do, but I'm not going to do it in an inflatable Z- I'll raft. I'll tell you this right now. Zimbabwe inflatable raft is like the, the, the three words yes. that I'm just not being involved in. And you don't even have to throw in crocodiles. I know there's crocodiles or hippos around. I mean, are you guys in L.A.? Is Jeff Schwartz with us? L.A., are you with me here? That, like, if somebody says, hey, I got this great idea, and as soon as it involves Zimbabwe inflatable raft, aren't you out? Like, I'm just like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. No brainer. And have you seen those boats where they have the glass bottom? Yes. I don't even want to be on one of those, okay? But the glass bottom, at least that's safe. I've been on the. What is back, by the way, going on in the background there? That's Jeff Schwartz. That's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Just kids. Get after it. What's going on? What do you think about yeah. the Zimbabwe? Uh, what do you think about the inflatable uh, if, raft? If you're, if I'm planning a trip anywhere, and the words crocodile infested river are involved, I'm not going <laughs> in that river. Yeah, like, yes. I mean, it's, it's very. Like I'm, I'm looking to plan a trip right now. Looking around, if those words pop up anywhere in the itinerary, on um, anything to do, I'm not doing it. Like I, especially an inflatable raft, I'm not doing that. So same thing with canoe. Would, like I'm not, I'm not a guy who wants to get into a canoe if there are crocodiles in the river. I just don't like that. Okay, yeah, the canoe's kind of fun. Like there's lots of places you can canoe without crocodiles in the water, where you don't have to worry yes. about being the victim of an attack. Yes, I'm this not doing just, it. So uh, obviously, I mean, I think, look, great ending to the story, but. Inflatable raft, crocodile, river, not not a good idea, not very smart. 
Good for white Jamie Foxx for marrying his bride down in Zimbabwe. It's still the regular Jamie Foxx. It's white Jamie Foxx. White Jamie Foxx making a play. All right, now here comes... And I might we need might need to give a trigger warning here. Yeah, disclaimer. This is this is Both this of these is dark. Are really bad. This is dark. Both of them. Very dark. If you are a child, listen to your parents, or you're going to get killed by an animal because this is the lesson about to come. All right, Danny, for, are we going with you? Or are we going uh, with me here? I think I have more kills. Angel, angel of death. Def- I have one. Uh, okay, so here we go. Stray dogs. Uh, Clay, do you see very many clay dogs? Uh, stray dogs in your neighborhood? No. Uh, Jeff Schwartz? Uh, no, I see zero. <laughs> Jay, you're more in my uh, line of pay. Do you see stray dogs in your neighborhood? Not really strays. I see my share of dogs, but I don't just see like random wild dogs hanging out at my complex. There is a problem in India right now. Millions of stray dogs wander their streets in even the most exclusive neighborhoods there. Uh, and unfortunately, stray dogs... These packs running around have killed six Indian children in the past week. The villagers are terrified. Now, this latest, unfortunately, um, killed children between the, the latest attack, killed children between the ages of five and 12 years old mm. in, a, in and around a town of Sitapur, which is 50 miles of Lucknow in North India. Uh, a total of 12 children have been killed in dog attacks 12? since November. Ooh. Okay, and six have been killed recently. Now, it's not clear how many dogs were involved in the current attack, but uh, as I said, India's had this problem for a while. The feral dogs, they survive on leftover food set in alleys for them. Um, And they also, uh, they run into a lot of problems because obviously people there are not fond of these dogs. So they regularly regularly fight with people and fight, you know, with pets uh, over territory. Injuries from dog attacks are pretty common, but fatalities in one area, one after another, are not. So this is why villagers there are now starting to worry. Education officials say some schools have seen a significant drop in attendance because of these attacks. Parents have told their children to, um, you know, to just stay inside right now. The recent deaths include three children killed by a pack of strays on May 1st. Two more children were killed on May 4th. And uh, a public announcement has been made in all the villages in the Jesus. surrounding area. This yeah, is, they, they suggest... See, you thought you had it rough. We got packs <laughs> of wild dogs. We got crocodiles. By the way, I meant to mention this too. 21 people every year killed by crocodiles in Zimbabwe or killed in crocodiles by Zim- in Zimbabwe last year. Yikes. Well, uh, with this story, Clay, villagers are starting to take things into their own hands. They have now been shooting and strangling stray dogs. Strangling? Yeah, because they believe they have no other choice. Well, who is strangling a dog? I mean, that Uh, is like, that is Animal Thunderdome in the nth degree. Now, four teams of dog catchers have captured over 25 dogs in the past few days, says their local magistrate. So they are trying to, um, you know, do what they can, but... As I said, the kids are being told to stay inside at the moment. No kidding. Serial killing dogs. That's awful. All right. So Indian serial killing dogs, crocodiles ripping off arms in the Zambezi River. What else we got? All right. This one's not good either. Like this, this is just awful. This happened on Friday in Uganda at the Queen Elizabeth National Park. A two-year-old toddler followed his nanny into the kitchen of the park's staff headquarters was snatched by a leopard, dragged into the bushes, 
the child's mother is a game ranger at this park at Queen Elizabeth National Park in Uganda, was working when the incident happened. According to the Kampala Post, who originally reported the story, the nanny heard the child scream, saw the animal dragging the boy to the bush, chased after the boy and animal, could not get to them. A search team later found the boy's skull and other bones on Saturday, indicating that the leopard had eaten the boy completely. They buried his son's remains over the weekend. The father said he expects compensation from the Uganda Wildlife Authority says he wants to see heightened security and this is a this is just such a terrible quote he says uwa gave us the coffin i have not talked to them about the incident but i would expect something reasonable to compensate me although my son's life is gone and how about this just at the queen elizabeth national park the killing of the toddler comes as the fourth unfortunate incident in less than a month a pride of 11 lions died back on april the 11th inside the park then a French tourist passed away on the property April the 14th, and another lion died strangely at the end of April. So a right. leopard dragged a two-year-old toddler let me, away let me pause you here and for left a minute. his skull and bones behind. Is it a tragedy when an animal dies on an animal preserve? You said this is the fourth tragedy to happen in a month. I don't see those other animal deaths as being connected. Run through them again. We got a toddler being killed. You said it was a tragedy that 11 lions died? I'm reading from the article. Yeah, no, the I'm saying. The killing of the toddler comes as the fourth. I agree with you. The fourth unfortunate incident is how it's referred to. A pride of 11 lions died yeah, together. So, um, by the way, so, all right, so I, that happens on like a nature reserve. Like a bunch, a, of, f- a bunch of animals die all the time. A French tourist died on April the 14th. All right, how? Animals. How did it, doesn't it die? Even say. I, yeah. I don't know. I, like I don't you know what die. happened, but it's still it's still a tragedy if he died. Yeah, it maybe, matter but if, if it's like an eighty, nah, I disagree. If you're like eighty five years old and you die of a heart attack, like it stinks. But I don't call that a tragedy. Like everybody, well, it's still an unfortunate incident, though, right? At least it's a human death. Okay, and then the last one, another lion died. So that's how it was. Another lion died. Article. So we've had four unfortunate events: a two-year-old got killed, another human got killed, and then some lions died. I just, I, I think. A little bit more than unfortunate. All right. We're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz again on the backside here. We'll talk to him about uh, Ben Roethlisberger and a couple of NFL questions. Uh, But first, let's uh, bring in uh, Ralph Irvin, find out what's shaking the world of sports. Well, we start with the NBA here on our Geico NBA playoff scoreboard because the Golden State Warriors have advanced to the conference finals once again after beating New Orleans 113-113. 104. Here's Draymond Green. Man, we won two championships in three years. We're not about to run off talking about how bad we want to play somebody. Like We want to win another championship. And it don't matter who's in the way of that. If you're in the way of that, then you happen to be in the way. But, you know, we're not about to run around like, yeah, we want to play them in the conference finals. For what? Like, it don't matter to us who we play. However, we got them. All right, now let's get it. Let's We get to it now. Who do they got? Well, that would be the Houston Rockets, who are 112-102 winners over Utah. They win that series four games to one. Chris Paul led the Rockets with 41 points in 10 assists. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Seattle's James Paxton with a no-hitter in the Mariners' 5-0 win at Toronto, the sixth no-hitter in Mariners history. The Yankees won their seventh straight, beating Boston 3-2. Those two teams tied now atop the AL East. Baltimore lost their seventh straight, giving up 10 runs in the first inning in a 15-7 loss or loss to Kansas City 
And Colorado has won six straight games. They doubled up the Angels 4-2. to Now back to the Geico Outkick the Studios and Clay Travis. Yeah, we're Geico Studios here. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Dark, dark, dark Animal Thunderdome. We'll bring the light next. Final segment, hour two. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. We got Jeff Schwartz in with us. Jeff, what did you think of the peanut butter versus jelly debate yesterday? Yeah, I heard that yesterday. Very interesting. Um, I think if, if I were to I'll get to my feelings on peanut butter in a second, peanut butter would be the right answer for this for this topic. However, I couldn't tell you if I've ever had a peanut butter and jelly in my life. Um, peanut butter to me, just the smell of it, I, I just can't, it's like a visceral reaction. I just can't do it. Like the smell bothers me so much. My brother used to hold a peanut butter like jar and run around the house chasing me with it because I just, the smell just drives me crazy. Are you allergic? So, well, what's funny is I, I, I think I sort of, I got an allergy test as a kid, and it said I was allergic to peanuts, sunflower seeds. I still eat all that. I can eat peanuts. Peanuts are I'm fine with peanuts. Um, I'm not allergic to it. My kids are not allergic to it. Um, however, one of them in their classes, it's a nut-free class. Oh, of course. course. Yes. Um, and uh, but no, I, I no, I've, I've had no, I've had no problem with with peanuts as far as allergic reactions. Um, but I just don't. I don't like the smell. Just drives me up a wall. So as a result, you've never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in your life. This is what you claim, right? Well, I, at least I don't remember. I could have had one when I was young, uh, but like my kids don't eat them. I mean, you mentioned foods that parents like grilled cheese. I I can't like believe I didn't eat grilled cheese for like twenty years. Grilled yeah, you forget how good grilled cheese is, then you have and kids. Ma- Same thing for me: like, peanut butter and jelly, macaroni. Like all these kids' staples, you're, you recognize are just phenomenal. And by yeah, the way, is, the, is that a leopard getting your daughter in the background uh, there? I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. Most mornings, I'm now behind two closed doors, and now one just opened. <laughs> no, no, behind two closed doors. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. Like, every morning, they're totally fine. The second I come on this show, it's the only one I do in the mornings, um, they just lose their minds. I don't understand. My daughter is completely dressed, and she's screaming at me with her shoes. Like, she took her shoes off, and she's running at me to get our shoes back on. You took them off. You put them back on. You know how to do it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, What do you think, by the way, about Ben Roethlisberger and his comments about uh, his backup? Well, first of all, look, if you threaten retirement every single offseason, I understand why the Steelers are going to go ahead and draft someone. Yeah, good point. You you don't draft someone in the third round really to replace Big Ben. I mean, maybe eventually you hope Mason Rudolph turns into someone that can replace him one day. But the the, the initial purpose of drafting him is not – we're going to replace Big Ben now. Um, but this, he brought up a good point, and this is, I think, something we overlook at times in sports. There's no rule, there's no unwritten rule that says that a veteran has to mentor a young football player, a young basketball player, a young baseball player. It's nice when they do that. It helped my career. Jordan Gross with the Panthers, he mentored me. I'm not sure I would have been the player or had the career I had without Jordan Gross. Um, but you don't have to mentor someone. And it's actually kind of refreshing for Big Ben to say, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Um, and look, do we, do we know, did, did Tom Brady mentor Jimmy G? You know, people have talked about Eli Manning, um, you know, if the Giants drafted a quarterback or two, he would mentor him because he mentored the other quarterbacks 
that were there. But the other quarterbacks the Giants had drafted were never a threat to replace Eli. I'm not saying Eli wouldn't mentor a young quarterback, but when that threat becomes real, and I think ben, Big Ben feels that threat, there's nothing that says you have to mentor that player. Um, so I'm actually kind of re- not relieved, but it's nice to hear some honesty from him. And he says, look, I'm not going to do it. Like, I, I'm not going to do Good. it. So um, I had no problem with him saying that. Good stuff with Jeff Schwartz. Good luck with those kids. Hour three coming up next. We'll have Jason Whitlock on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I am off and running here. We are off and running. Jason Whitlock going to join us next to talk about his Wall Street Journal editorial and more. Last night's news, if you're just waking up across the country, what everybody would have anticipated coming into the NBA season is officially a reality. The Golden State Warriors matching up with the Houston Rockets. Odd makers would tell us that this is the default NBA Finals. Uh, Game one of this series will not take place now until Monday night. They will play Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, uh, and then Tuesday, I believe, will be the four games going forward in that series. So there are now, whatever the math is there, uh, six days between when this uh, series were complete in the second round and when the Western Conference Finals will officially begin. So all of that is uh, is still to come. Uh, I asked the question, and there doesn't seem to be that much interest. Maybe there's a lot of people down in Houston who feel like the Rockets are going to have a real chance to beat the Warriors. Uh, But I asked the poll question, and 7,000 of you have voted since the show started today. You can follow me on Twitter, at Clay Travis. Who wins the game, the Warriors or the Rockets? 72% of people are saying that the Golden State Warriors are going to win the game, or win the series. 28% of you are going with the Rockets. The Warriors obviously have been to the NBA Finals three straight years, and since they added Kevin Durant, they are 24-3. and in the NBA playoffs, and that is a level of dominance that we have never seen before, at least not in my history that I can remember where we have recent history anyway. The Jordan-era Bulls ended up winning, I think, each of their finals, the the final three years, 4-2, 4-2, 4-2. They never played a game seven, but I don't remember even the Jordan-era Bulls teams being able to put together a run like this. In fact, they haven't been able to. This may be the most dominant 27-game stretch we have ever seen in the history of the NBA. And like I said, the Golden State Warriors, 24-3. They were 16-1 last year en route to the championship. They are 8-2 so far in these NBA playoffs, a combined 24-3 since Kevin Durant joined the team. There were no NHL playoff games uh, uh, last night. There are none tonight. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, the Nashville Predators will host the Winnipeg Jets in Game 7, the only Game 7 so far to happen in the second round of either of the NBA or the NHL playoffs. That game being bumped a day because Justin Timberlake is bringing Sexy back to the arena tonight in Nashville. So both teams get an extra day to prepare for Game 7, which will be taking place on Thursday. All of that still to come. Uh, We are obviously here live in the Geico Outkick Studios where there is one major game on tap tonight, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers going on the road against the Boston Celtics. As much as you may think that series was over when the Celtics went up 3-0, Vegas isn't necessarily a believer in the idea that it would be unbelievable for 
the 76ers to come back from a 3-0 deficit, even though nobody has ever done it in the NBA before. The Celtics are only a one-point favorite tonight to close out that series. Brad Stevens and co., whether or not they will be able to shut the door on the 76ers or not. If they lose, if they lose tonight, then that series gets pretty entertaining because Game 6 would be taking place back in uh, back in Philadelphia, and suddenly the 76ers would be playing with house money. They wouldn't have anything to be afraid of at all. Now, we have argued, and we broke down LeBron and where he's going to go and everything else. LeBron and the Cavs are sitting there waiting in the Eastern Conference. I think desperately the NBA needs for this Western Conference Finals to go six or seven games. If the Warriors come out and win in five or less again and then roll into the NBA Finals and win in five or less again, then I think there is a major issue before the NBA. And it's this. I look at numbers. I look at ratings. Nobody cares about the NBA unless LeBron James is involved. This is the truth. People want to say the NBA as a league is doing well. I disagree. I think the NBA is a lot like golf when Tiger Woods is involved. The ratings surge. They explode. Everything changes when Tiger Woods is involved in golf. Everybody else becomes a bigger star. Phil Mickelson becomes a bigger star. Jordan Spieth becomes a bigger star. Rory McIlroy. Everybody in golf who may be great with or without Tiger Woods gets the the, the glisten, the sheen, the glow of Tiger Woods and it impacts them in a positive way. Same thing happened in the NBA with Michael Jordan. Even though they didn't win titles, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Miller, John Stockton, Carl Malone, all of them, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, all of the guys that went up against Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals became superstars because Jordan was so famous that he was able, through the just kind of reflected glory of Michael Jordan, to burnish other people in the league with glory. But you know what happened when Michael Jordan left? People stopped watching. The NBA Finals have never reached the level of rating that they had when they had Michael Jordan in 96, 97, 98. You know there's 50 million more people in America today than were in this country in 1998 when Michael Jordan pushed off on Brian Russell, stepped back and hit that jumper to win game six against the Utah Jazz? 50 million more people. Do you know that the NBA's television ratings have never approached Michael Jordan in the last 20 years, even though we now have 50 million more people, in theory, who are in the marketplace able to watch games? LeBron James is the closest thing to Michael Jordan we have seen in the NBA since Michael Jordan from an interest perspective, and he's nowhere close to Michael Jordan. But there is a huge drop-off after LeBron James. And so when you look at these numbers, going up against the Raptors, twice as many people watch LeBron James play the Raptors as watch the 76ers and the Celtics games. Philadelphia is a big market. Boston's a big market. What they don't have is LeBron James. LeBron James is the NBA straw that stirs the drink. He's the reason why Turner and ESPN spent billions of dollars on the NBA. And he's the reason why They're going to spend six hours today on FS1, probably, and six hours on ESPN talking about LeBron James in some form or fashion. He's the drug that everybody in sports television can't quit because he's the one that everybody has an opinion on.
So my position on this is pretty straightforward. The NBA desperately needs for the Rockets Warrior series to be a good one. Because if it isn't, people may well watch the four-game series or the five-game series between the Cavs and the Warriors, but there's not going to be a lot of suspense. The NBA doesn't have a league. It has a player that people care about. It's just like golf, just like Jordan back in his peak. LeBron is the reason why the NBA matters. Without LeBron, nobody cares. Do you think this series will be a good one? Most of you don't. Most of you are already penciling in the Warriors for their third title in four years. Do you buy into that theory of mine, Jason Martin, that the NBA doesn't have a league, they have a player that people care about? Yeah, in a lot of respects. And I'm with uh, the vast majority of the people, and I said this long before the playoffs started. Houston's going to have to prove it to me after what I saw from James Harden last year against the Spurs and what I saw against the Miami Heat when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA Finals years ago. I think it would be really good for the league if the war, if the uh, Rockets were able to get it done because they do have some stars in Chris Paul and James Harden that could go up against LeBron James, and that would be very entertaining. If we get Warriors-Cavs again, that's good maybe – for this year, but I don't know. I don't know how many people are clamoring to see that matchup again because I don't think that they believe that it's going to be particularly competitive. When you talk about that branch between the Jordan times there in the mid to late 90s and now what we're seeing with LeBron James, I think that the NBA struggled at the turn of the century because they had a major star and they had a team people cared about, but they had no competition for that team. That's why I think the NBA is in a little bit better situation because the biggest and best star does have competition that's actually better than he is. Is it the best team or is it the best player? When it was the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, there was nothing else there. You had Allen Iverson and a bunch of also-rans in Philadelphia, or you had Reggie Miller and a bunch of and Rick Smiths and people that you didn't really pay attention to in Indiana. You never really had what you needed for Shaq and Kobe. You did have some big-name guys, whether it was Carl Malone or whether or not it was Charles Barkley when he was with the Suns in 95 when he took them to six. Like There was some competition there, and that's what LeBron James has now. The worst thing that could possibly happen to the NBA is for the Celtics to go to the finals because as big a market as Boston is, there is no marketable talent on that team that anyone wants to see. That would be disastrous. They now need LeBron James in the finals to have the interest level that I'm sure that they want. Here's a good um, good number for you. Game 7 of the... Uh, this, this is kind of interesting to think about the NBA Finals on television. I know the era changes, and I know everything kind of evolves and the audiences adjust and everything else, but you can go back and look at this. I should tweet this out um, for the audience that the NBA had. Uh, when Michael Jordan left, the first year that Michael Jordan was not playing after 1998, the NBA viewership basically dropped by 40%. In other words, there were a lot of people out there who were Michael Jordan fans that were not actually uh, basketball fans. And that's true if you go look at the six years that the NBA dominated that Jordan was involved. Even when Michael Jordan won his third title in 1993, the next two years when the Houston Rockets came back and won, when Jordan wasn't involved, the ratings plummeted. And that was a really good series, right? If I'm not mistaken, that was the seven-game series against the uh, against the, uh, the the Knicks. So you had Houston going up against New York, two pretty good teams 
1994, ratings plummet without Michael Jordan involved. They come surging back up when Michael Jordan is involved in 96, 97, and 98, and then they plummet again as soon as Michael Jordan is not involved. You can look at the numbers and see it, and it's eerily similar to what happens with Tiger Woods. And while people want to argue that the NBA is back since, there's really not that much more interest in uh, the last three years are the best three years we've seen since the Kobe Shaq heyday, but it's still nowhere near the level of Jordan. It's still down about 40%. I think the NBA is going to drop big again when LeBron departs. Because I think ultimately what people love is conflict, and I don't think there's that many people who are conflicted about Kevin Durant. There's a lot of people out there listening to us right now who either love or hate LeBron James. Are there that many people who either love or hate Kevin Durant? And I don't think there's any doubt that he's the second most polarizing guy in the NBA. I just, I don't buy into it. I don't think that there's that much drama. And so the NBA desperately needs, I think, for the Western Conference Finals to be good. And they also then need for LeBron James to leave Cleveland. And they need him to go to Houston. They need to create this this, this dynamic where LeBron James is on a team that could beat the Warriors. Because otherwise, I don't know how many years in a row the Warriors are going to win the title. I think it's probably going to be a lot. And I don't think the Warriors are that compelling of a team. I just don't. I understand there are people out in Golden State, and they're like, man, this Warriors team is so much fun to watch. The numbers don't really reflect it. When people don't believe that the team is going to be challenged, like you were saying earlier, Jason Martin, like you need to have the idea that the hero might lose, that the bad guy might win. And there was just enough of that when Michael Jordan was the default NBA hero. There was at least that possibility that he might lose. So I think the best thing that ever happened to Michael Jordan's career was the Detroit Pistons. Because that allowed him to become the good guy. The Pistons were the defending champs, the two-time champs that beat Michael Jordan that the rest of the country didn't really like. Bill Lambeer... Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Mark Aguirre, all those guys that were on that team, that wasn't a team that everybody else, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, that everybody else was like, man, this is a team I love. There was something about Jordan losing to them two straight years and then finally getting past them and winning his first title that everybody bought into back in 1991. If you're old enough to remember 1991 when Jordan finally beats the Pistons, Pistons walk off the court without shaking hands with him, that's what kind of cemented Michael Jordan as a hero. That was perfect for him. 1992, 93, I should say, 94, 90, 91, 92, 93. And you saw the basketball ratings just surge with Jordan. And then when he came back in 96, 97, and 98, they went to a different level. Wasn't basketball, it was Jordan people. I think the NBA has a little bit of an issue with that as well now talk about that a little bit with Jason Whitlock. He had an article on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal that got a lot of attention yesterday. I'm going to ask him about the fallout of that. Does he believe the Rockets have any chance to beat the Warriors? How important is that overall for the NBA? What does he think about the Ed Reed lawsuit joining Colin Kaepernick? We haven't talked about that very much uh, in this show. We've got another lawsuit pending now alleging collusion. Uh, and also the uh, the comments uh, that were made about uh, the college basketball players being slaves of the Duke uh, player's mom who said that. We'll discuss all that and more. I'm Clay Travis. It's Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. Outkick, Justin Timberlake bringing us back in here. 
He is knocking Game 7 of the Winnipeg Jets against the Nashville Predators to Thursday because he has got the arena booked here in Nashville. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And uh, Jason Whitlock, I know you are a Justin Timberlake fan. I'm going to the concert tonight. What should I expect? Uh, amazing. It's better than his last show. The Man in the Wood, Man of the Woods concert tour is better than I thought his previous show. Just saw it at the Forum here in L.A. a week ago, ten days ago. Uh, uses the entire arena, uh, so he performs in front of everybody. It's an amazing show. Yeah, well, we're going to that tonight. So he's bumping Game 7. Now, I don't know if he's going to stay in Nashville. He's got a big home here in Nashville. I'm sure he's got homes all over the world now. But if he stays here, he's also got to do the National Anthem for Game 7. That would be a pretty big pull for uh, the Nashville Predators to get him in, assuming he stays in town. I don't think he has a concert again until Friday. So that would be pretty cool. All right, speaking of pretty cool, what has the response been to your editorial that went on the uh, it went in the Wall Street Journal yesterday? Positive, negative? What's your uh, what's your uh, kind of takeaway been from that experience? I think it's been very positive. I think that uh, you know I was excited about it because I came up with the, an analogy for liberalism and and analogizing liberalism to the cigarette for black people. It's been liberalism in the 1960s and the immediate aftermath of the civil rights movement was marketed to us as black people as fashionable, sophisticated, and extremely liberating. And I'm saying it needs a Surgeon General's warning that uh, hazardous to your family and all the values you were taught as a kid that it was a ploy by the Democratic Party taking advantage of a leadership void uh, created in the black community in the 60s by the assassination of Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King. And and we are the only ethnic group, the only group that just votes in mass for one political party, and it's bad strategy. It's We don't make people compete for our votes Therefore, we never have leverage, and leverage is what it takes to make people bend to your will and do things in your best interest. And so uh, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. I think it's given people a different way to, th- to think about what we as black people are doing politically and, and whether our strategy is effective. And it also ties in, I think, with we are in a super identity politics era. And what I mean by that is... Uh, whether you are a guy, a girl, whether you're what race or ethnicity or whatever you are, you're being sliced and diced and cut into a particular group and people are judging you as a result. I mean, that was basically Hillary Clinton's entire campaign. I'm going to try to grab as many different people of different identities as I can and specifically appeal to them, not based on their larger nature as Americans, but based on, oh, you're a woman, I'm a woman, we need to break this glass ceiling. Oh, you're gay. Uh, well, I'm going to support gay people more than Donald Trump is, and vice versa. Donald Trump also played an element of identity politics. I thought it was maybe the most divisive election we have had in my lifetime, not to mention the fact that you had two different people who were running who were incredibly unpopular on both sides. And so do you think that this identity politics era is ever going to break? It's almost like a fever. It's eventually going to break and change, or are we not there yet? 
I do think it's going to break because I, I think at some point it has to be about America and keeping America together. I, I think there seems to be an element that says, hey, let's blow up America and start all over again. But I, I think smarter people are going to win out and be like, you sure we really want to blow this up? Everybody around the globe is trying to get into America, and we have this element inside of America that says America is the worst thing on the planet. We need to blow it up. And I think some people are going to ask, is that really in our best interest? Who's really behind funding this mentality of America is the worst thing? We need to start completely from scratch. I think it's outside forces funding all of this, and and I think people are going to figure that out and and have to rally around the flag, rally around all the progress we've made in America. You know, for all this identity politics and for all this racial division we have, I, I like to ask people, look around the globe and answer me, who handles race better than America? Who deals with far more race? Because we're the melting pot, we deal with far more racial issues than anybody else on the planet, and we handle it better than everybody else. And so until someone can point to me to a country or a region of the globe that's doing it better than us, I, I think we should stay the course and continue to try to tweak and fix and improve America rather than blowing it up. I got a theory for you. Used to be the internet was where you went to escape real life. Now it seems like real life is where you go to escape the internet. Now let me unpack it for everybody out there listening right now too. Uh, increasingly, when I go on social media, I see woe is me. America is an awful place, as you just said. Things are going disastrously. Oh my God, things are awful. When I look at real life, Unemployment rate for all Americans, regardless of race, has never been lower. We're at 3.9% most recent numbers. Stock market has been at or near all-time highs for the last year, creating a lot of wealth for a lot of people of a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, The average per capita income, that's median, that's the middle person of the population, has never had more money in America than right now. That's not average because somebody makes a billion dollars. That's the person who is dead center in the 320 million population of America has never had more money per capita. That's per capita. That's adjusted for inflation than at any time in our history. Most of the things that we're fighting about are relatively insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Transgender bathroom access, uh, whether or not, you know, like, uh, I mean, just really might did the president have sex with a porn star 12 years ago or not like these are things that compared to wars over slavery compared to wars with hitler compared to the vietnam war when the draft was going on and tens of thousands of kids were getting shipped out and shot at in the by the Viet Cong in a jungle ain't that big of issues uh people aren't getting assassinated rfk mlk not happening people want to compare this to 1968 Is that true for you? I mean, has the internet become the place where we get more distorted reality than we do in the real world? Because it's changed, it seems to me, since when we first got started with the internet. Oh, we're going to have so much more information. We're going to be so much better. 
it seems to me that real life is better than the internet now. Yeah, social media is toxic. It's been polluted. It's where the media is being misled and where Americans are being misled in terms of trying to convince us that things are horrible. And that there are individual social media feeds over Twitter or Facebook that are just a stream of bad information. And because everyone's caught up in identity politics, like if you're black, the blackest thing you can do is follow Sean King. who's And Sean King has a Twitter feed that's just a stream of negative information. Here's what happened horrible in America today to black people. By the way, let me tell you about Sean King for people who don't know him. I think he's a white guy. I've offered no, 50 no, he thousand. is a white guy. That's not a that's not an opinion. Yeah. I don't th- yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's, he's he's the leading the charge of America's a fundamentally racist country and making a lot of money off of doing it as a white guy trying to convince black people that things are awful. I offered him $50,000 to take a DNA test and if he could prove that he was more than 10%, I think I said, black, I would give $50,000 to his charity. He hasn't been willing to do that. So you're right. Like He is selling, and people like him are selling, an artificial narrative that America is a fundamentally bad place. Yeah, and so, and look, so other black people, and particularly celebrities, particularly wealthy people who want to prove, hey, I haven't sold out. Now, I know I moved out into a predominantly all-white community. I know my life is great. But let me show uh, the common people that I'm still down. So I will follow Sean King. I'll retweet his information. I'll adopt his mindset over Twitter and social media. But in the in my real life, I'm going to go about being happy and doing all these great things. And so these feeds, to me, are set up to convince people, and particularly black people or other minorities or whatever, that there's no opportunity out there. And there's tremendous opportunity. As long as you keep your mind in a very negative mindset, you won't, you'll miss all the opportunity out there to advance and achieve. Clay, I started out in the ghetto. I, at the very beginning of my life, and then my senior year of high school, me and my father shared a one-bedroom apartment in the hood. 400-square-foot apartment, me and my father. I now live in one of the richest zip codes in America. College football allowed me, gave me my ticket up the, the American ladder. It can happen. I'm not some aberration. I've got a bunch of friends, black, who started out middle class or poor, who have moved up the American ladder, uh, there is opportunity out here for everybody if you could only open your eyes and see it rather than focusing on all the negative. And, again, that's not talking about ignoring the problems of America. Uh, America, like any person, like any country, like anything, is flawed. But is it less flawed than a lot of other things around the globe? Absolutely. And there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to uh, to elevate and to improve America, if we could focus on that, we as black people would be better off. I'm curious what you're, you just said where you came from and how you got to where you are. You got a show, go watch it, speak for yourself every uh, afternoon on uh, FS1. You can follow Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason. 
What's your mom's reaction when her son has a editorial published in the Wall Street Journal? Uh, I mean, my mother's, you know, extremely proud of me. Uh, now, me and my mother disagree on politics. Uh, we don't disagree about much else, religion, core values, things like that. But she is, and again, I'm a non-voter, so that's one of the main things we disagree about is, you know, she's very upset with me about, you know, just kind of avoiding politics. But I question her all the time about her allegiance to the Democratic Party. I understood in the 1960s and 70s why there was that allegiance, because at one time, the Democratic Party was more about the working class and the working person like my mother. My mother was a factory worker. But it's abandoned all that, and it has become really, really secular. And my mother is extremely religious. And so I'm always questioning her, like, where's God in these things? Where's God in that party? It has left. Are you comfortable there, given how religious you are? Uh, but, you know, she's proud of, you know, my career, uh, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, I can write for the Wall Street Journal and, uh, you know, things like that. And, you know, and hell, she's benefited from my career. You know, she's got a great life and is enjoying her uh, 60s and 70s because of the things I can provide. Uh, happy Mother's Day to Miss Whitlock uh, in advance uh, in the Indianapolis. I know we got a lot of people listening in Indianapolis. All right, when you look at the uh, when you look at the NBA Finals, uh, it seems like we're going to be set up for Eastern Conference foe that is no match for Western Conference foe. How important well, well, did something happen to LeBron last night? They, they, they are going to lose. They are going to lose in four or five games. Did I miss something? It's, it's five in the morning. Is there something happened to LeBron? No, LeBron is still alive, but he has oh. no chance to win the NBA title this year. You may disagree. My argument is the NBA desperately needs this Western Conference Finals, which to me is the default NBA Finals, to be good. Is it going to be good matchup between the Warriors and uh, the uh, and the and the Rockets? I listened to Charles Barkley and Shaq last night say that, you know, Golden State's going to destroy Houston. I don't buy it. I do think it's going to be a good Western Conference Finals. But, but Clay, more important, and I'm being saying this in all seriousness, I'm not convinced the NBA Finals are going to be, a, are going to be horrible. I, I never, ever count LeBron James out. And so I, I think the Western Conference Finals are going to be very fascinating in a six, seven-game series. And I'm not sure who's going to win it. I think the NBA Finals are going to be just as – I don't – Cleveland will win at least two games in the NBA Finals. Why is Cleveland better this year than they were last year? I'm not saying they're better. LeBron James is better. <laughs> and uh, LeBron, we, LeBron James is playing at a level I don't think we've ever seen. I think he has gone to a level – that Michael Jordan was never at. And, and I say that in all seriousness. And that's not me saying that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. It's saying at this, I never, in my view, saw Michael Jordan have a stretch like this 10-11 games LeBron has had in the playoffs. I don't think I've ever seen anybody play at this level. And I think that gives Cleveland a chance. It's intriguing. 
Um, it's intriguing indeed. I think you're wrong. I think that Cleveland is going to get swept in four or five games like they did last year. I think the Warriors... Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that. Please put out a blood bank pick <laughs> making that prediction. Your lack Please. of respect for my gambling picks is well noted. Um, uh, as, as we move into uh, the, uh, the offseason, what would you advise right now? Last question for you. If LeBron James came to you and he said, Jason Whitlock, where should I play next year? Cleveland. The four fav- you think he should, why? Because Dan Gilbert will do anything for LeBron James. And that will not be true anyplace else in the NBA. And so if Cleveland has to go further over the salary cap to get LeBron another player to, so he'll have a chance, Dan Gilbert's willing to do that. I, I, I think Dan Gilbert is willing post-career to turn the franchise if LeBron wants to buy the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, or have a huge stake in the Cleveland Cavaliers or even a majority stake in the Cavaliers, I think Dan Gilbert will make it happen. I think Cleveland is home for LeBron. I think it's the perfect marriage for LeBron and the way he likes to operate as a player and a person. I would tell him to stay at home. The grass isn't greener. Uh, out here in L.A. or in Philadelphia or even in New York with the Knicks. Good stuff. As always, go read the Wall Street Journal. Follow him on Twitter, at Whitlock Jason, and make sure that you watch Speak for Yourself on FS1 as well. Thanks for getting up early with us, my man. Thank you. That's Jason Whitlock uh, with us. I am Clay Travis. Let's bring in Ralph Irvin, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. All right, Clay. Well, we checked the Geico NBA playoff scoreboard where Houston was a 112-102 winner over Utah. Chris Paul, 41 points, 10 assists as the Rockets win the series four games to one. They advance to the Western Conference Finals where they will take on Golden State, who won on Tuesday as well, 113-104. They also won their series four games to one. Steph Curry, 28 points. Kevin Durant, 24 in that win. On the Diamonds, Seattle gets a no-hitter from James Paxton, the sixth no-hitter in team history. They blank Toronto 5 nothing as the first Canadian player to throw a no-hitter north of the border. Arizona, a three-run homer in the top of the 12th. They beat the Dodgers 8-5. to Houston doubles up Oakland 4-2. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Clay Travis. Final segment of Wednesday's show coming up next. If you didn't hear it, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal went at it like two old married couples, or like an old married couple, two old married couples, maybe. There'd be four people involved then. This was only two people, but it was like an old married couple. Going to play it for you next. This is Outkick from the Geico Studios on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, Lots of positivity rolling in from uh, that conversation. Uh, Dan Smith says, Clay Travis and Whitlock have conversations on Wednesday mornings. I'm always smarter after those two chat. Kudos, good work. Uh, I mean, basically all over the country, people rolling in. I would encourage you guys, again, I always say this, and and, and I like your feedback. I appreciate it. Um, But I think our guests really appreciate it. I love hearing from them. Hey, I went on your show. And you don't have to agree with them. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything anybody says. Um, but when Shelby Sherman reaches out and says, and I'm just picking random some of these that have been sent in the last five minutes, one of the best best interviews I've ever heard with Jason Whitlock, love his opinion, uh, and uh, very insightful, get him on more often. 
Uh, just so much rolling in uh, related to that conversation. Reach out to uh, Jason Whitlock, PJ Dooley. Great interview uh, this morning. Uh, very well thought out. Uh, Holmes uh, down in Texas says, your segment with uh, Whitlock's one of the very few weekly discussions I refuse to miss. Always entertaining, always informative. And look, not everybody loves him. Uh, somebody tagged Whitlock and said, we traded you away a long time ago. Black guy says, please don't speak for us black folk. Uh, so, uh, you know, identity politics still alive and well. Jason Whitlock can't share his opinion because he's black and other black people don't all agree with him. And so he's not allowed to speak. Some people feel that you're entitled to your opinion, however wrong or right it may be. It's a good thing about living in America. But I would encourage you to reach out to our audience and tell them, uh, especially our guests, Thanks for coming on. He's at Whitlock Jason. If you're enjoying him, let him know. Uh, speaking of enjoyment, Inside the NBA is the best uh, show relating to a particular sport that airs anywhere in the country. Charles Barkley and uh, Shaquille O'Neal got into an argument over how the Raptors' performance should be dealt with by their head basketball coach, and this is what it sounded like. To repair his relationship with DeMar DeRozan. No, he don't. Uh, yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, you have to, because... Uh, Listen, that, that, listen, if your best player, you bench your best player. He, well, why was he benched? Uh, he, uh, well, he, that's not the point. It is the point. You don't disrespect your best player. Listen. If you don't have a great relationship with your best player, you're never going to win. That's not true. Uh, he did not. That's play, not true. He did not, well, he, he, in that's your opinion. True. No, just because you say something, it's just That's not true. Me and, no, it's not true. Me and Pat Riley never saw eye to eye and what happened to my man win. So it's not true what no, you're saying. Well, you it's had not true what you're saying. I'm just letting you know what you did. What's the man on that team? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was a role player. You're right. But you know what? That's my point. That's my point. I'm saying with your best player. You don't know what you're talking about when it comes to championship. I'm just telling you something. Stop baby. care what you that championship. No matter how much you scream you loud, listen, that does not listen, make you right. Listen. You're wrong in the city. You can, and that's yeah, why you ain't yeah, winning because yeah, you was yeah. a baby. Stop no, babying no, these no, players. Not baby, no player. You don't play. Uh, no, you don't you play. You got to sit his ass down. But period. Uh, he got to repair. He, he ain't got to repair you. nothing. He got to stop babying the players. You got baby. That's why you ain't win. He got to. I didn't have Dwayne. I didn't have Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant carry me up and down the court. So why you don't want to Because I got three Finals MVP, Chuck. Because you Google me, Chuck. Google me, Chuck. You see that? Google me. You're a great player. You don't know that what you're talking about when it comes to No, that does not. That's not. He got to step up and play. We all didn't have other players carrying play us up and down the court. Chuck. You can yell as much as you want. I got three finals MVP. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you are a great player. Thank but you. You wouldn't have got That's if you didn't have Kobe and Dwayne. I will say. That was an unbelievable Charles Barkley versus Shaquille O'Neal. Sounded a little bit like, to be fair, us arguing peanut butter versus jelly yesterday. And I've got a whole list of all different debates that we are going to continue to have in the weeks and months ahead. If you didn't listen to the great debate between peanut butter and jelly yesterday, I thought I was in such great shape. We finally got Max from Texas to call in. I was on the t side of jelly. Everybody else ganging up on me on the side of peanut butter. Max from Texas called in. I was like, thank God, we finally got a jelly guy on here. And he just turned right into Forrest Gump. Vito put this together for us. Days on shrimp kebabs. Grape jelly. Shrimp Creole. Strawberry jelly. Coconut shrimp. Oh, this is Forrest uh, Gump like. Shrimp and potatoes. That's, that's about it. That was, uh, I, I knew it was bad for me when the guy who was on my side called in. And that was well done by Vito there, mixing the Forrest Gump reference, which I immediately thought of. He's just listing all the different types of jelly. That wasn't good for my side. Tough spot to be in. By the way, since I'm always trying to bring sunshine to your day, good news here, regardless of what political party you are on, 
uh, the three American uh, citizens who have been detained by North Korea and have been in a North Korean prison have been released, according to President Trump, who just tweeted, I'm pleased to inform you Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in the air on his way back from North Korea with the three wonderful gentlemen that everyone is looking so forward to meeting. They seem to be in good health. Also, good meeting with Kim Jong-un. Date and place is now set. So maybe the world's going to get a little bit better. But regardless, if you are one of those family members, if you're involved, who was being detained in North Korea and not being released, they have now in North Korea released all of their American prisoners and they're on their way back to our country. Good news. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what kind of fun is waiting for you at king's island the holy cow we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.